0: Hey, guys, it's Vasily Lambos, and we're back with another episode of Designing Digital Excellence, and I have an amazing, amazing guest. We have Chris Olson, the managing partner of Dealer Medics, today to talk about some three amazing key areas. We're going to touch upon the utilization of tools in your dealership, how to improve and create best practices. We're going to dial in on sales process, specifically CRM. And how to better train and better execute against your audiences and your customers and last but not least you can't have a successful sales process without people and the right culture and i'm super super thankful chris welcome to the show wow
1: man that's amazing can i can i hire you to be our spokesperson <laughs> because that was as well said as uh, as i've ever said it but yeah that's uh it's it's great to be here and have this conversation with you Vasily.
0: awesome so before we dive in on like the utilization of tools, I'd love to hear, how did you get in the automotive space?
1: Man, that's great. So it goes back to 1989. I'm a 19-year-old kid. Um, I'm living in Southern California at that point and just kind of, you know, trying to figure out what life's about at that point. My cousin in Seattle calls me and he goes, dude, we got a band and we're on the radio. We're going on the road. You got to come up and just do the lights with us, right? Right. <laughs> so I literally, I had saved up about 900 bucks. I go to the bank, you know, I break up with my girlfriend. I, I take my dad's Cutlass Supreme and I nonstop to Seattle. I think I rested for about an hour on the, on the side of the road in Mount Shasta and uh, I slept on my cousin's couch for a month and he wasn't wow. doing any of the stuff that he was saying he was doing. <laughs> and it, it, I finally figured out I had to have a, had to go get a job. And, uh, and I interviewed for two things. I interviewed for some crazy 3D Polaroid camera thing that was like multi level <laughs> marketing. I didn't really vibe with that. And I went to Aurora Mitsubishi in North Seattle and they hired me. And hey man, that's I amazing. freaking immediately that first month I fell in love. I sold 28 cars, 19 year old kid making like 10 grand. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, it was, uh, I was going up to BC all the time partying. And, um, but, it was those times, those people. I still think of those people. Levin Harris was my manager. Um, I wish I could find that dude. If anybody out there knows where Levin Harris is, I want to. I want to reconnect with him because I still. Hell yeah. I'm I'm in this business because that dude spent time with me, and that's probably a lot of what what drives me now and what I do. Because as much as we do about processes and tools and CRMs and this that and the other, it's really about people, man. The, the most rewarding part of this is is the connection I have with the people that I've met over the years. And so, um, yeah, if anybody knows Levin, where he's at, uh, let me know,
0: man. I miss that's, that. That's good. That's good. So that's a huge plug right there. If you do know him, you know right. you know who to reach out and be like, we got to get you guys he is, He's a one in a
1: million too. There is no two Levin Harris's out there. I guarantee you, this guy was a, a unique individual who I was very blessed to meet at a at a time I needed it. So,
0: that's amazing. You know, there's always that one person that has a profound impact on your career and your growth trajectory. And I think, you know, it's a great topic to bring up. Like I stumbled into automotive through a consulting gig with Hendrick Automotive while I worked at a technology company. And that relationship would, would not have happened if it weren't for Francisco Debs, who at the time was the head of growth. And we sat down in, at, at, at lunch And he and he was kind of like, you know, we got this automotive uh, you know, group that's kind of in the pipeline. We might do some work with them. He's like, Are you interested? I'm like, Yeah, man, I love cars. Like, (laughs) let's do it. You know, like at the time, I was super into cars. I just got like, you know, my first nice car, you know, from growing up. I started to make a little bit of money and I got like an Audi A4, like perfect color, you know, fully loaded. It was like, it was like that first grown-up car for me. And I was like, This is great because all I drove before that was just crappy, like crappy beat up like a 2002, you know, soccer mom car Acura MDX murdered out, you know, a tents. and I was that type of kid growing up, you know, like it's it, you would never, you would never think about it now, you know, somebody who who pretty much looks like he has a drug dealer car and he's like a straight (laughs) nerd right and like that's who I am today is like I had that car you know. But Um, that's, dude, I love your story. And I think it's so like, it resonates with, with a lot of people in the auto space. And, and it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's an amazing trajectory. And I appreciate listening to you talk about some of the leaders who've inspired you to grow and be who you are today in this field and dealer medics. Like, let's just say you guys have probably some of the best process training and, and your product is just from, from the conversations that we have, it's just amazing. And we talk about coming into a dealership and how to get dealership process, dealership tools better utilized in a way that the dealer feels empowered to succeed. Can you talk a little bit about where the industry is in terms of utilizing tools and how they could better improve their process?
1: Yeah, I think think that's a great topic because you look at, it's not just CRMs, right? It's, It's all of these tools that we're trying to bring together and we're trying to be thoughtful about adding these things in. And the challenge is it's the blind spots that we miss that are the critical elements to it, right? Do Do they all connect to one another? Do they communicate with one another? Are they helping us streamline the process? And I think one of the big things I've taken away from these clubhouse conversations is that we're working from the result of the sale rather than the initiation of the engagement to begin with and then working our way that way, right? And and I don't even know that that's the right way yet. And I think I think we're all you know I think one thing that's coming out of this is nobody really knows. And Brian, Brian Benstock doesn't know anybody. He he's just gutsy enough to go in and go break some dishes to find out. And um, and smart enough to pivot if it doesn't work. So I, I think it's it's being thoughtful about that. But I think the challenge becomes really then. Ownership or a general manager has a plan for it, and that message loses its its strength the further down the chain of command that it's delivered. And I think where Dealer Medics has a difference, and it's funny, I've presented to quite a few dealers, and a lot of times what they tell me, you know, you're in a really crowded space, and I'm like, I don't really feel like I am because our approach is different in the sense that I'm not there to train their salespeople. That's what the managers are. That's the Levin Harris's. Those are the people that are coaching your salespeople. The pixie dust that we all as trainers come in and we've got our little whiz bang word tracks that, you know, we've all stolen from one another. That shit doesn't stick. And what sticks is that what's missing GMs get to go to GM school. Salespeople get to go to Grant Cardone and Andy Elliott and a lot of these guys that uh, can spit, you know, the word tracks that we all love hearing but nobody's really training those managers on how to be leaders uh, unless they're doing it themselves or, you know, even what we're trying to push for, which is manager involvement throughout that process and then using the technology so that nothing slips through the cracks. And so I think that's where, you know, we take a, a bit of a different approach because we're going to sit there. Nobody's getting fired. I don't, I, it doesn't matter to me. I, my goal and and what we do most often is it's a performance based model, so my wins are your wins and my losses are your losses. So, it, it's we're in this thing together, and I'm I'm just here to make you better.
0: And- as it should as it should be. And and so I have I have a question about that, you know, because I'm curious. Like, I feel like it does it does go back down. You talk about the message transcending from leadership down to the floor, and mm-hmm. so when we think about how and it, and, it, and it impacts how people execute against the the tools they're using every day and the way that they're interacting with their customers. What are some tactical ways that you're seeing right now that have have been like the, the go-to secret sauce, let's say, to get that manager level level expertise where it needs to be so that their team can execute accordingly.
1: I think, I think the big thing, and I think a a lot of people who are in the dealer environment can, uh, can recognize this or appreciate it. It's, it's, you got to be able to pass the sniff test. So anytime you walk into a dealership in my capacity, you're getting tried on and um, they're not going to listen to you if you can't pass that sniff test. And it's one of the things where I still, I want to get in the mix. I mean, I've the challenge now with COVID is I've only been in two dealerships in the last 12 months. Right. And uh, um, how do I keep my tool sharp in that regard? What I find is really that the, the sales managers don't know how to get involved. And they're kind of like, well, wait a minute, you want me to talk to, he's on the phone with the customer and you want me to talk to that customer before he hangs up? Like, what am I supposed to say? And it's like, well, okay, it's not that big a deal. Let's, let's work, walk our way through it. it. It's the same thing with email responses. Like if, if we listen to phone calls and we hear how poorly by and large our salespeople manage those phone calls, that same shit's happening on the email conversations, the text conversations, and every internet customer that they talk to for the first time, a lot of it isn't what they say, it's what they don't hear. And so getting managers involved there is the biggest key. So the secret sauce for us is one, if you're doing what we do, you got to pass a smell test. Two is that we're in there with them every day. So what I'm doing for one of our clients right now, they're... A FCA store in the Seattle area. They've got 20. They're at 22 salespeople now. Only four of those 22 have more than a year's worth of experience, and everybody takes internet. leads. Wow. And we've got five sales managers, and they're meant to coach the salespeople on a daily basis. And uh, and so every morning I'll go in before they open the store, and I'll do a 10-minute review as if. It's kind of like warm, morning calisthenics, right? Before yeah. you answer the lead, let's take a look at this. This is how we set up the day, and so you know what we're really trying to do is load these guys up so that they know where to operate and where to stay in the pocket throughout the day. So um, you know, it's there's there's a lot to that, and absolutely, it's, it's not one size fits all either. Different stores have different different culture, and and we have to adapt to that.
0: I love that. And you talk about adaptation, you talk about the process. And I think like, that's really, you know, our next big topic here is to talk about, you know, what are these best practices look, you know, what does a good best practice look like for this? And mm. when I think about that, and, and you know me, I'm heavily in the paid media space and I'm trying to align that right with dealers who have, you know, a pretty concrete brand and, and have set up on honestly a pretty good sales process. Most of the dealers that are still learning and figuring out how to define what that looks like and then translating that to their people in a way that's gonna make impact, that they're actually gonna execute against it. How do you hold a team from a manager's perspective accountable? You know, I think that's, that's, that's what comes to mind is like, how are you holding them accountable to, to aligning with some of the things that you talk about, that the calisthenics, the, the regimen, right? To, to execute against your goals and your system.
1: Right, well, part of that is passive accountability, right? So when I do that video review, I'm CCing the GM, the dealer principal, his brother. Um, everybody's on that and we don't really pull punches. Um, we're not offensive, uh, but we're trying to push people. We're trying to push them into a little bit, a little bit of discomfort, but not to the sense that we're trying to demean anybody like that. It's, it's just, it's always delivered with, there's so much more for you there. If you just, just get this part, right. Don't, don't, don't lie, you're a 20-car person, but you got 50 overdue tasks. How would you let that happen? You know, and so the 30-car guy doesn't have those overdue tasks. So it's it's that kind of conversation. With regard to managers, it really part of what we do is this daily or weekly, depending on what the store wants to do, where they're meant to sit with the salespeople and they inspect what they expect. So it's it's crazy. We all talk about inspect what we expect, but we look at reports to do that. But too rarely do we sit down and with a salesperson across from us and open up a customer and let's see what we did. It's the most objective coaching we can do. Did you do the task or did you not? And so the sales manager is like, holy crap, man, we've been doing this for five days straight. And you're only making one call on the first day. For whatever reason, you don't want to do an introduction video. Like, what's going on? Like, let's let's work our way. So the sales manager understands what the salesperson's doing can inspect. How'd you respond in the email? What'd you say on the video when the customer said that they, they wanted a value on their trade, but all you did was stand out there next to the car that they also were interested in. You know, what about the trade? Like it's getting them to think beyond just this tunnel vision that they're in. So, and and so that, that interaction right there gets sales manager understanding what the salesperson's doing and where they're at. And then the salesperson understands the expectation. And so the more often we do that, it, it, one, it's the biggest thing with culture is a lack of training. I guarantee you the issue that I think, um, NADA did, a, or maybe it was words on Somebody did a study on, uh, automotive salesperson turnover. And that was the number one reason people leave is a lack of training.
0: It's amazing. Yeah. I, I just had a, um, I just had a conversation with a high performance coach who talks about people and culture and enabling your people to be able to run in their lane and feel like they're being heard and feel like they're valued and that they have that level of leadership. And compensation is definitely a big part of that, but that really does bring us, I mean, what a perfect transition to talk about people and culture. Right. What are some areas that, that, that you think dealers could improve that culture to, so that it makes some of these other tasks and these other uh, best practices set up in a way that their people are actually going to want to collaborate, right? And, and they're going to want to run in their lane and, and drive those results.
1: Yeah, I think um, we have uh, an Acura store in the Bay Area that is kind of a perfect example of that, where we got uh, two brothers that are running this store that are complete unicorns, man. I mean, you haven't seen guys that'll roll up that, to a GM and his, brother, his younger brother in there, his used car man, doing whatever it takes, right? They know that CRM like nobody's business. Sometimes they're teaching me stuff, right? Um, and they're using Roadster and they're all about being family owned and they're all about creating this experience, but there's only so much you can do. And we had an example where we had a lead uh, just this last month where it was a true car customer. Um, we get engagement five minutes after the lead comes in, right. Uh, text engagement. Uh, the problem in this instance is that the salesperson's still working like he used to work and he's thinking like he used to think where the dealerships like, Hey man, we got Roadster. If you've got a customer that wants to talk about price, don't go to the manager, go to Roadster. Let's engage with this customer at the point that they ask for numbers is the point we ask for a phone call, not respond back with another text. Because what happened in that situation was there was a one hour dwell time between the time the salesperson texted him saying, I'm getting you the numbers with my manager. I'll get them to you as soon as I can. An hour later, he responds and the customer responds back and says, well, we found another one at this other dealership. That's another 40 minutes past you. Not, not saying it in those words, but that's the reality of the situation. Wow. And that one hour dwell time, had we just stepped in at that point and said, you know what, I'd, I'd be happy to help you with this. And one of the things that we do different is we can do all this online right now. Would you mind jumping on a quick phone call with me? And I sent you a link to our express store. We can build all this out now and we'll put a bow on it for you. And this will be the easiest thing you've ever done but we didn't. We said, I'm gonna get with my manager, right? And so I think it's that part of it because today we had a meeting with everybody about that, right? to get everybody understanding, this is the experience we want now. It's through the express store. It's through making this easy. It's not the pressure of you having to go to your manager. And I think what's gonna happen, that store went from perpetually being at the bottom of their district sales um, in, in the Bay Area to number two, beating out the number one store that has historically uh, run that market, uh, which is their next closest competitor. Right? So it's like, we're, we're turning it, but it doesn't all turn at once. And so it's like, we've got something to build on. And this was like the perfect thing to find because getting everybody to see it, having the GM and, and his brother, both in the room having this conversation and you could just feel the pressure in the room drop like, Oh, Oh, so you guys are okay with us doing that. And, and it's just getting everybody to talk about it. So it's that culture is, it's an everyday thing. And it's the managers really that drive that, right? Like, and, and they've got to understand it and it's getting everybody on that same sheet of music. And a lot of times there's just car dealerships are dynamic environments. You know, I missed the last two weeks doing training with them because they were selling cars. And so you know, this was probably one of the most impactful trainings that we've done, but it's, that's where we start really creating that culture and that it, it really is about creating that amazing customer experience. I can't wait to see where we go with that store, because I think it's, that's where I want to go. And as much as we talk about this, I've got other dealers that, you know, that FCO pay for uh, my digital marketing tool or digital retailing tool. And I've got it on my website but nobody uses it, and so it's it's like we got to turn this ship one notch at a time. So that's anyway, amazing. that's uh, I, I can go on forever talking about that. But please, that, please, I think do. My please do,
0: please do. I think I I think uh, there's a few things that stuck out that I'd like to unpackage. Right, okay. and it's the first one is thinking about the utilization again of digital retailing in a way that's going to enable your team to speed up the sales cycle. And so when we think about customer touch points, you know, I see this a lot, even in in our own agency for, for sales and so forth is like, if I can get you on the phone and we can talk about your, your uh, marketing goals and we can talk about, right. What you're interested in, we can better serve you and provide, you know, the menu of options for you to make a sales decision. Automotive is no different. Selling a car is no different. And I think that's That's what happens. I think there's a lot of complacency, but I also do, you know, in the industry. um, But I also think that we set ourselves up sometimes to fail indirectly. And you can see how profound, right? This dealership's change in both culture and and utilization to just be the number two, be the number one player in their local market just by a few minor tweaks, you know? And it's like, I'd love to know, like, if someone put together what that list was of like the common best practices, right. To design in your process today, that's going to make it, make you go from five X to 10 X overnight. Like you're winning, you're winning the game.
1: You know, it's, it's funny because I think there's been a lot of bad information shared for a couple decades about, I mean, when we talk about, Typically, what you're creating in that digital space is, is is digital opportunity in the form of forms or maybe phone calls. Mm-hmm. But We kind of have to ask ourselves, why why are they taking that pathway to us rather than just walking in? And so there's several reasons I think that I've experienced over time. And I think part of it is they want to save time. I think part of it is that, and there's a certain number that the best price is absolutely part of it. The problem with the way processes have been designed is that they've been too passive. Well, they emailed you, so you should email them. And what I would say to people is look at your data, look at where your sales, look how fast your deals go down on internet leads. Look how fast your deals go down on phone. Like if you're not working with urgency, then you're losing. Now, there's some customers who are gonna have a one inch thick manila folder uh, that they're only gonna buy at the point that manila folder is two inches thick. Um, and we need to manage that. But the vast majority of your clientele, at the point they've reached out to you with our stereotype, the research is done. Now it's, they're in the interview phase. Where am I gonna go buy it? And I think that's where dealers really need to embrace that part and understand what that customer is doing. Cause that customer's walking around like this, just all duped up. And at the point someone gets to lower their hands and they say yes the first time, then they say yes again and again. And the earlier that we get them to lower their hands, if we could have got this customer, the example we were just talking about to engage with us in the express store together and we built it all out, what was taking them two hours to get to that point, we could have done in five minutes. in the the tool and now you got something sticky. Now I can say to the customer, Mr. Customer, we're 95% of the way done. All we need to do now is just have you come down, take a look at it and make sure it's what you want. And I mean, Brian Benslock could tell you, you don't even need to do that. Um, Should I have it delivered this evening or tomorrow? Which of those would be better for you? Because now I've got something sticky because through that process, I'm gonna walk you right down the path of filling out the credit application. Once they've done that, it's your deal to lose. And I think there, it, what was crazy about that deal was the customer actually texted us back and said that it wasn't about the price, it was more about the color and they changed to a different model, right? Because they wanted the color was more important than the trim. So it's, it's like we spent, and it took us six hours to find that out when we could have done it in a minute and a half, right? With a phone call and, and just meeting folks where they're at. So I think that's where, I think that culture is what we're really trying to impress upon our, our clients. And the challenge is just the mania of what happens in the car business, right? Every day, the, I mean, that's what we love, right? Is the activity of what happens there. But man, at some point, we got to slow down, take a breath. How do we want to define ourselves as an organization? What do we want our customers to experience? And let's just do that. And I think I think Branson's quote is, it, I I love it, right? Take care of your employees and they'll take care of your customers. And I think when we take that pressure off and empower them a bit, I mean, shit, what, what have we got? 4% in these cars now? I mean, why are we worried about keeping MSRP? I mean, give give that away just to get the customer to go and drop their hands. Guess what? They may come in and switch to another car like this guy would have, because he, he couldn't get the car he wanted in in the in the, he couldn't get the color that he wanted in the car that he wanted. So he stepped up to get the color. So it wasn't about the price. It was about, but somebody needed to have that conversation. So, right. um, you hit the head. Head, but that, that I think is, is where it's at. And I, I'm just hoping when the, you know, my partner Rico and I can get a group of dealers that want to go down that path that I think what's crazy about clubhouse, man, we have these conversations and every one of us says the same, when we have these one-on-ones, yeah, man, I'm just trying to save the car business one dealer at a time. And I, it's so, I hear it from every, Kyle says it, Carson said it. I think you said it. Like we're all, we all have, we love this business. It freaks me out today that I read Volvo is going to sell all their cars online. I, I think that was a bit of clickbait, but um, but I would hate for our business to change that dramatically because I think, ah, I love it. I, I love what this there's too many,
0: is. There's too many hands in the pie right now. And I think there's, there's so many things that you've said just that that really, again, solidifies like the inefficiency in markets that we see in the automotive space, both from a people operations perspective and marketing perspective. And you talk about, yeah, I mean, Clubhouse, man, what an amazing platform. We've we had so, so many conversations that have now led to this episode that have now led to better process. And the one thing I hope is that we don't just talk about it in the industry and we actually execute on it. Yeah. And I think that that's a huge, huge thing uh, for us to, to really dial in on. But you know, I really appreciate you going through all these topics with us today. <laughs> if a dealer was interested and they're listening in right now, where do I reach Chris Olson and Dealer Medics in order to improve our execution, both from a CRM perspective? I know you guys do amazing training. Where can they reach you?
1: So there's probably three, three ways. If you want to learn a little bit more about us, you can hit us up at our website, uh, dealermedics.com. Very easy, just as it sounds. Uh, or shoot me an email, Chris at Dealermedics. Or just call me. I'm good with that. I love talking on the phone. It's uh, 310-795-0733. And, um, and one of the things that we do to start things off is it, the best way to do it is to find out if we have value for one another. And uh, we do a, a, a free CRM analysis to show folks whether or not an opportunity exists. Most of the time there is, but uh, but that's where we like to start. So uh, I really appreciate the time today, Vasily.
0: Yeah, likewise. And to our audience, thank you for joining us another episode of Designing Digital Excellence. And we'll see you on the next one.